You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves the Timberwolves site on the Fansided Network. Today's episode of Locked On Wolves is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. You can use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Happy Monday, everybody. The Timberwolves lost to the Phoenix Suns on Sunday night by 19. It was a game that was close technically for most of it, but honestly, it didn't really feel like they were in this thing, and it always kind of felt like they were going to lose by 15, 20 points. That's exactly what happened. So today, we'll break it down, the key takeaways, what to take from this game. Basically, nobody but Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker, or excuse me, Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Anthony Edwards on the Timberwolves showed up. Devin Booker was the best player on the court, and it wasn't close. Um, so we'll talk about all that on the show today, and then obviously individual studs and duds as well. There's only one more game before the All-Star break. Um, so we're going to cover a lot of non-game specific content throughout the rest of the week as we peek ahead to next Sunday's All-Star, I guess, All-Star weekend light all packed into one afternoon slash evening. So, um, yeah, so it'll be a weird week, just the one game on Wednesday against Charlotte and then, and then it's All-Star break time. So, um, today's show though, it's all about Wolves Suns on Sunday. There are some key takeaways from this one. The rotation was weird. Um, all kinds of things to talk about. So we're going to get to that here in just a second. First though, a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T or at, or not, or also at B Beacon. It's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, so um, this is the first time the Wolves have seen Phoenix all year. They came into this game 22 and 11, and um, the Timberwolves obviously had lost six in a row coming into this game. Phoenix had won 13 of their last 16 games, playing fantastic, uh, completely healthy outside of Dario Sharge had missed Friday's game, was questionable coming into this one. He did play. Um, so the Suns are a healthy team. The Timberwolves, obviously, without Malik Beasley, serving the second game of his 12-game suspension without D'Angelo Russell, who's out at least another three or four weeks after knee surgery. And uh, it was always going to be, uh, you know, the Suns were, were going to be favored to win this game. They were favored by, I think, 10.5 points at betonline.ag prior to the game. Maybe it was down to 10 by the time the game started. And, uh, I mean, it would have been a shock if the Wolves won this game. It was a little surprising if you weren't watching the game and were just kind of following along, you know, on, on Twitter or just looking at the the box score, the game cast of the game, that the Wolves were ahead for much of the first quarter. They were only down four at the end of the first, only down five at halftime. You'd say, oh, man, the Wolves must be playing OK. No, not really. Um, there was never really a moment in this game where, you you know, it felt like the Timberwolves were truly in the game. It felt like the Suns were just kind of letting it happen and the Wolves were doing just enough to to kind of hang around. But it wasn't because they were playing well on really either end of the court. I mean, Anthony Edwards had a monster first quarter. Um, monsters maybe a little strong compared to at least what Devin Booker did later in the game in the third quarter. I think Ant had 11 in the first quarter and 15 at halftime and had, had a nice steal and a dunk early in the game. Just a, a, a beautiful dunk. Had a couple of three-pointers. Um almost threw down a couple other dunks. Just a really impressive start to the game for Anthony Edwards. He cooled off a lot in the second half. Carl Anthony Towns only attempted one shot in the first quarter. That was actually the Wolves' first possession of the game. Minnesota ran a really creative play uh, where Towns got the ball, passed it off to Rubio, 
And I can't remember, uh, Jared Vanderbilt was setting one of the screens. I can't remember who the other one was being set by, but there was a screen being set that Towns could pop out beyond the arc for a three. There was a back screen being set so that Towns could curl into the paint on a, on a curl cut and get a pass from Rubio going towards the basket. Instead, Towns popped out beyond the arc, accepted that screen, got the pass from Rubio, drained a three. The Wolves had a quick 3-0 lead after their first possession and it got a stop on the other side. It kind of felt like, like you know, hey, they're actually off to a good start. Again, they hung around for most of the first quarter, most of the second quarter. But then somewhere in the second quarter, Towns started to get really frustrated with a lack of of uh, foul calls. He didn't get that many touches. And, and I don't know that it's, I mean, New Wolves coach Chris Finch is very much on the record as saying that everything should run through Cat. And they were trying. The Suns had a really good defensive game plan. DeAndre Ayton's no slouch. And the Suns are a good defensive team. And they were denying the catch to him in the post. He was getting frustrated. They were fronting him at times. And um, they were bringing doubles basically every time he touched the ball. And, and it's the same issue where the Wolves don't have enough shooters. And, you know, I mean, the Wolves starting lineup basically has four non-shooters in cat. Um, depending on your opinion of Anthony Edwards as a catch and shoot player. Sure. You can count him as a shooter. So you've got one good shooter on the floor and then you have Josh Akogi, who's a poor three point shooter. Ricky Rubio, who's been bad this year from three was average last year, which is his best year of his career. And uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who doesn't shoot threes. So the spacing by definition there is going to be terrible. Um, immediately when Towns is getting doubled on the catch and that continued to be an issue. Towns at halftime only had four field goal attempts and picked up a couple quick fouls in the second quarter because he got frustrated. And yeah, I understand his frustration with the Phoenix is being physical with him. He wasn't getting any whistles and um, he was lucky. He didn't get called for a third foul early in the second quarter. At one point, Finch took him out of the game, I think just to cool him down. Um, that might've been in the third quarter, but it was kind of an, un, it seemed like an unscheduled break for him. Um, and, you know, he was just getting really worked up as he does. And, and I said this on, on Twitter, it's almost a, a boy who cried wolf situation with Towns because he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt often enough for a two-time all-star a guy who's on an all NBA team, who, if he was healthy the last year, surely would have made an all-star team last year or this year. Again, um, he should get to the free throw line more often. He really should. And he gets called for far too many ticky tack fouls. It's compounded by the fact that he complains a lot and he does make some dumb fouls. He does, he does commit some dumb fouls out of frustration, out of carelessness. And Jim Peterson does a great job pointing this out on Fox sports North on the broadcast. And that's all true. So is the part where he doesn't actually get enough foul calls. And so it becomes a boy who cried wolf situation where it's like, okay, well you complain on almost every play, you know, are you really getting fouled? And the answer is, yeah, a lot of the time he is, but some of the time he isn't. And um, he just can't get out of his own way at times with with that. And obviously we're nitpicking. I'm nitpicking here with Carl Anthony Towns. He's a phenomenal player, a top 20 player in the league by any measure. Um, but that was a little bit of the issue here in the second quarter of this game. Now, the Wolves are still only down five at halftime. So it's, I mean, that just shows you how carelessly the Suns were playing. I mean, the Suns and Timberwolves, were uh, basically neck and neck and turnovers throughout the night. Actually, the Suns finished with more turnovers. Um, the Wolves had 12 steals in this game, so lots of live ball turnovers for Phoenix. They had just some sloppy passing. Even Chris Paul had a couple of really bad turnovers. And again, it was really more the Wolves were in this game by virtue of the Suns' sloppy play than by anything the Wolves were doing right. Um, they weren't getting what they wanted to get offensively. And, um, and I mean, they were still only down five at halftime. Booker um, had 22 at halftime and then, or excuse me, 20 at halftime. And then he put up 21 in the third quarter alone. Josh Akogi 
mostly only guarded him in the first half and then at the start of the third quarter and didn't, I don't think he saw the floor the rest of the game. The Wolves tried Jalen Noel on Booker. That was even worse. They tried Jarrett Culver on Booker for a little bit. There was just no answer. Booker was on fire. The Wolves defense couldn't stop him. It was the same thing as watching Bradley Beal go off in the third quarter on Saturday for the Wizards and their win against the Wolves. Um, And that was it. I mean, Booker just basically put this thing away. It was actually still a 10 point game going to the fourth quarter, which is what's Again, as you're watching the game, you kept looking at the score and thinking, there's no way this game should be this close. And the Suns ended up going up by 20 plus pretty early in the fourth. And uh, the Wolves just kind of hung around that mark the rest of the game. I think they had one push they got within 12, but that was as close as they ever got. Um, It it just the frustration that Cat had in the second quarter spilled over into the third. He did have a good third quarter. He had a couple of steals or or one one steal and a breakaway dunk. He had a um, a three pointer in the third quarter. He had a couple of nice post moves on Aiton in the in the third quarter. But the problem was Phoenix was giving it right back to him on the other end of the floor, and and the Wolves just couldn't keep pace. It was mostly Booker, um, but Aiton was very good. Chris Paul was very good. And uh, Dario Saric played a lot of small ball five in this game and gave the Wolves trouble off the bench uh, for Phoenix. Um, So, yes, the Wolves lost by 19. That's probably about how many they should have lost by. It's just that the, the massive run by Phoenix came from like the midway point in the third quarter to the midway point in the fourth quarter. And outside of that 12 minutes, the game was actually played really roughly 12 minutes. The game was actually played really tightly, but again, not by virtue of the Wolves playing well, more so the Suns playing carelessly and the Wolves doing just enough to hang around. Um, and, and, you know, they, they honestly deserve to lose by 19 points in this one. Next, I want to talk, talk about some key takeaways related to um, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and, and the rest of the Wolves team and, and the lack of production offensively from the rest of the roster. I want to talk about the stuff the Wolves are doing offensively that just isn't working based on their personnel as well as the Wolves rotation. This was the talk of Wolves Twitter on Sunday night was the lack of minutes for Jaden McDaniels. So I want to dive into that a little bit and uh, then we'll get into individual studs and duds here to round out the show for the day. Uh, First though, let's talk about our friends at Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep or focus or simply be better? There is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA today. Hey, let's also talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over. But the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and baseball is right around the corner. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. 
BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The promo code for your 50% welcome bonus is Locked On. Again, that's the website. Use your mobile device. Get to betonline.ag. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're covering everything you need to know about the Timberwolves here at Locked On Wolves, but what about the rest of the sports world? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the fantastic Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's talk about key takeaways from this game. Number one. Uh, the Wolves got no production out of anybody not named Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards. Towns had 21 in this game in terms of scoring. Edwards had 24. Your third highest scorer for the Minnesota Timberwolves is Jake Lehman with 11 points off the bench. And yeah, he did play 30 minutes, which was actually third most on the team. That's another conversation. And actually, we'll get to that here in a minute, talking about the rotation itself. But you have a 24-point score, a 21-point score. Your two, I guess you'd consider your two best players, your two top scorers with no Beasley, no Russell, and Edwards and Towns. Lehman has 11. Your fourth leading scorer, Nas Reed with nine off the bench. Nobody else has more than seven points. And that was Hernan Gomez, who only played garbage time in this game. So basically no production. You only score 99 points for the game. Um, Your non-Edwards and Towns starters combined to go three of 15 from the field. Jared Vanderbilt, one of two. Josh Kogi, 0 of five. Ricky Rubio, two of eight. That's a three of 15, 0 of five outside the arc. Vanderbilt, Okogi, and Rubio combined. Only four made free throws. Combined, 10 rebounds. Combined, five turnovers to six assists. Those three players, Vanderbilt, Okogi, Rubio. So really no production across the board. A couple of them were decent defensively. I guess really mostly only Rubio, um, but Vanderbilt, Akogi Rubio, not productive offensively off the bench. Jake Lehman was fine. He had 11 points in 30 minutes. He actually played pretty well, but he's not going to score. I mean, he played 30 minutes, only scored 11 points, only took eight shots. Um, Nas Reed was your most productive bench player, nine points in 13 minutes on six shots, but he only played 13 minutes because of the rotation or because of the the lineups the Suns were rolling out there. And the Wolves just didn't have the opportunity to play big. They weren't going to play Nas and Towns together in this game. Uh, Just it probably wouldn't have made sense from a matchup perspective. Towns mostly stayed out of foul trouble, so he was able to play more minutes and Nas was limited to 13 minutes. Um, Jalen Noel was not good. We'll get to him in a second. Jordan McLaughlin, Played okay, but he only had six points on seven shots in 23 minutes. There was just zero non-cat, non-ant production in this game. And I mean, it's obviously this roster is missing two of its best three players in D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. No question about it. That matters. But what the Wolves are trying to do offensively, they need they need somebody to be able to shoot perimeter jumpers. And, and this kind of spills into my next takeaway, which is the offense. Chris Finch has yet to coach D'Angelo Russell, obviously. He's coached Malik Beasley twice. Look at the two games that Beasley played before his suspension took place um, when Chris Finch was coached. They obviously got blown out in the first game at Milwaukee, but then they had the overtime loss to the Bulls. Beasley in the game against Milwaukee has 26 points on 10 of 16 shooting, 6 of 9 outside the arc. The next night in Chicago, 25 points on 9 of 20 shooting, and he makes five threes in that game. 
So two games with Chris Finch coaching, Malik Beasley averages 25 and a half points on 52.8% from the field, 50% shooting on threes. He's 11 of 22 on threes over those two games. The Wolves were running it. I mean, they have all year, right? I mean, they've ran a ton of, a ton of stuff to get Beasley open threes. That's, you know, that's not super unique to Finch. I mean, he's averaging 8.7 three point attempts per game. Malik Beasley is this season. Um, so it wasn't like a crazy increase all of a sudden by having uh, by having Finch on the bench, but Malik, the point is, is that Malik Beasley is the only really, truly dynamic wing that the Wolves have who can shoot threes at a high clip and taking him off the floor really matters. It just does. I mean, if you have Josh Okogie and Ricky Rubio spacing the floor, that's nothing like having Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell. And I mean, I think that has to be taken into consideration here. Um, Towns can't do it all by himself. And when you have your, you know, three of your, three of your starters are non-shooters. And, and if you want to throw Ant in there, I mean, look at this game. The, the, the non-cat starters in this game were two of 13 from outside the arc and both makes are by Ant. So Vando, of course, didn't shoot a three. Kogi and Rubio combined for 0 of 5 beyond the arc. Edwards was two of eight. So that's two of 13. I mean, who's Towns passing? I mean, if you're the defense, of course you're going to double count the Towns. You might as well triple team him, right? I mean, the Suns were are good enough defensively. If you watch the game... And the Wolves were getting semi-open threes, but the Suns were recovering. The Wolves were trying to drive and kick. The Suns were recovering and basically getting a hand up and contesting every three-point attempt by the Wolves, even on those scramble situations where they've doubled Cat and the Wolves swing the ball to try and find the most open non-shooter that they have. Um, because unless it's unless it's Carl uh, Anthony Towns, who's the guy who's being doubled, there's nobody else that's dangerous outside the arc. The Wolves for the game were 8 of 35 on three-point attempts, 22.9%. Um, Edwards made two, Towns made two, McLaughlin made two, McDaniels and Lehman each made one apiece. Nobody else on the team made a three, eight of 35 on the night for the Timberwolves. And um, this isn't necessarily a scheme thing. It's just notable that the Wolves ran all this stuff for Beasley to get him open in the two games, you know, the Bucks game and the Bulls game last week. Nobody else is scary running those same plays. I mean, they ran a play early in the game. It was clearly the same set that they would run for Beasley and Akogi was coming off staggered screens. And it's just, you know, who cares? It's Josh Akogi. I mean, no offense to Josh, but you're not scared of Josh Akogi coming downhill in the half court. You're not scared of Josh Akogi pulling up from 15 feet and making a jumper, pulling up beyond the arc behind the screen and making it. None of that's scary. Josh Akogi is a defender and he's good in transition and he's a good cutter. You know, most of the time he hasn't really been this year, but those are the things he's good at. He's never been good in the half court. And this isn't necessarily me complaining about what Chris Finch is calling I me. Mean, what's he supposed to do? This is the personnel. You know, he's going to, he has all the stuff. He was excited to run with Malik Beasley. And now Beasley's gone. Um, so that's why Jalen Noel's getting so much run. I saw people on Twitter trying to figure out why Noel's getting run instead of Jaden McDaniels. Well, Noel can run a lot more of this stuff as a, with, you know, an NBA caliber ball handler. I mean, Jaden McDaniels is good and he's got a, a high ceiling and we'll talk more about him here in a minute. But, I mean, he can't handle the ball in the pick and roll in the NBA offense consistently yet. We've seen that a little bit. Um, I, I think he can have a better handle long term. But some of those sets are, you know, you're not going to run him with Jade McDaniels as the ball handler necessarily. Um, and Jalen Noel had a bad game, but they were trying to do a lot of the same stuff with Noel that they do with Malik Beasley. Um, and to a lesser extent, guys like Culver and Akogi. But Malik Beasley is so much more dynamic than all of those guys. And it's not close. 
and that was that was the most notable thing about the offense for me in this one. Quickly on the rotations, um, or on the rotation, I should say, Jaden McDaniels was the 11th Timberwolf to see the floor in this one. He was not part of the initial 10-man rotation. He came into the game a little more than midway through the second quarter. He should get more run. I don't think there's any question about that, um, especially in a game that Vanderbilt only plays 15 minutes. I mean, it was only a week ago, Vanderbilt and McDaniels were splitting 48 minutes a game almost evenly. And then the other night, Finch plays both of them together quite a bit. He played McDaniels at the three and Vanderbilt at the four, and it's a look that I really liked. And then in this game combined, they only played 24 minutes. Vanderbilt 15 minutes, McDaniels nine. You saw a bunch of Jake Lamb. He played 30 minutes in this game. Uh, We saw a little bit of Wancho in the fourth quarter, seven minutes. And there's all your fours, your four minutes. I don't think Akogi played the four at all in this game. Um, Maybe very briefly. But... uh, in a game like this where Vanderbilt isn't super effective and you're not going to play two bigs because of what the Suns were doing offensively and and the way the Suns were managing their rotation, they put charge at small ball five for a period of time. Frank Kaminsky only played 16 minutes in this game. Um, and they, they basically played small. So the wolves weren't going to play Vanderbilt a ton and they weren't going to play Nas at the four. So McDaniels would feel like the obvious solution at the four in a game like this. Um, or maybe you go with Hernan Gomez a little bit earlier. And Lehman was good. I, I like the idea of playing McDaniels at the four and Lehman at the three for stretches because, again, Lehman's a good team defender. McDaniels is a good defender. Gives you some length, some athleticism, a little bit of outside shooting ability that you don't get with Vanderbilt and Nikogi. And, and Lehman's a very average outside shooter, and McDaniels probably is too, based on what he did in college. Um, but they're both better than Nikogi and Vanderbilt, obviously. Um, so that's probably what I would have done. You know, maybe play McDaniels at the three a little bit with Vanderbilt at the four. There's really no excuse for McDaniels to only play nine minutes in a game. The Wolves were down by 19, um, you know, or they lost by 19. And I mean, either way, McDaniels has been good enough lately. He should be playing more than nine minutes. There's no question about that. I don't have a problem with Lehman getting run. The Wolves need team defenders. They need guys who know how, uh, how spacing works and know when to cut. He had, I think two dunks in this game and maybe a layup as well on baseline cuts, just a simple, okay, now's the right time to baseline cut and get a drop-off pass at the rim. And Lehman's like the only guy on the team that understands that and does that on a consistent basis. It's that sort of stuff. That's why he he's getting to play uh, because he's athletic enough to make those cuts and he's, he's knowledgeable enough to make those cuts and he's a solid team defender. And the Wolves need guys to do those things um, you know, to cut off the ball. They need Jalen Noel to cut off the ball better. They need Jarrett Culver. They need Josh Akogi. You know, Akogi's been good at that stuff. He he did some of that against Washington on Saturday. He slipped a screen and got a dunk at one point. Um, he had a good game against Washington. This was not a good game for Akogi. Uh, but at any rate, the rotation was weird. I, I give Chris Finch a pass. This is game four. He's still figuring out what he has. Um, he'd made a comment uh, in media availability that he didn't want to just play McDaniels with the young bench unit. So I think he was waiting for a basically a cycle through the rotation so we could get him on the court with some of the starters. So we'll see what happens next time out against Charlotte. I'm sure McDaniels will get more run throughout the rest of the year. The Wolves need to get a sense for what they have in him as a rookie anyway. Um, and he had been playing fairly well. So, um, you know, that doesn't concern me too much. It was just kind of weird. Also, lastly, as a key takeaway, guarding Devin Booker did not go well. Now, most teams can't, I mean, it's not easy to guard Devin Booker. Kogi got roasted in the first half. Jalen Noel was worse. Uh, Jarrett Culver wasn't very good. The, the Wolves tried trapping him on pick and rolls. That didn't work. Um, he probably, Booker probably could have had a couple more and, and ones in this game, but he went to the free throw line 13 times. He was only one of six on threes. You think of Devin Booker and you think, oh, he's going to, he's going to score 
all these points. He's, I bet he made five or six threes. He was one of six on threes, had 12 points at the free throw line, and uh, inside the arc was 14 of 20. And a lot of these were layups. It wasn't just all mid-range jumpers. There were certainly some of them, um, but the Wolves just could not slow him down. And, and uh, I mean, Chris Paul was helping get him in advantageous positions to score. DeAndre Ayton had 22 and nine of 11. The Wolves defense just really struggled in this game um, and just were a half step slow on all their rotations. And, and it was frustrating because I guess they weren't very good against Washington either. That was more of a transition defense issue, but they were so much better last week against Chicago and Milwaukee. They'd been trending in the right direction, but now back-to-back clunkers defensively is definitely disappointing. Um, okay. Last here on the show, we'll talk individual studs and duds in this game, who played well, who didn't on an individual level. First, though, let's talk about our great friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. Guarantee it tastes exactly like a candy bar. Um, yes, they've sent some samples, but I have bought several boxes of Built Bars. I actually have two more on the way in the mail. I keep using the promo code locked on. The promo code I'm about to tell you about, it's not only your first order. You can use it. You can keep using it. 20% off every time you order at Locked On with this promo code. Um, if you're not familiar, it's a protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar. There's 18 different flavors, including six brand new ones. My favorites are caramel brownie, um, cherry barcia, salted caramel, toffee almond, mint brownie, um, really anything with brownie. It's all fantastic. Every single one of the built bars is covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, they're perfect if you're health conscious or if you're trying to lose, maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. All Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein and high in fiber. Perfect if you're on a keto diet. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use that promo code LOCKEDON20. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospects, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Okay, uh, individual studs and duds from this game. It was actually a little bit tricky to come up with three studs or three people I'd consider that had good games for the Timberwolves. I do a player grades uh, piece about half the time after the game's over at Dunkin' with Wolves. And I didn't give anybody a grade above a B in this game. I, I just, there wasn't anybody that really stood out individually. Anthony Edwards had a fantastic first quarter, a solid first half, a really strong first half overall. But was inefficient in the second half, was pressing, had some awful turnovers. Carl Anthony Towns had a great third quarter, not so much outside of that. It, you know, it, it just was kind of hit and miss. But those those two are two of my three studs for this game. Cat's final line uh, was 21 points, 10 rebounds. He shot 7 of 16 from the field, so just under 50%. 2 of 7 outside the arc, 5 of 6 at the free throw line. Cat only had one assist, one steal, one block, and two turnovers. It was a minus 6, which was actually the best plus minus mark of anyone in the starting lineup for the Wolves in 33 minutes. His one assist was fantastic. It was, um, you've probably already seen the highlight on Twitter, but this was like, basically he was at the left block, uh, a little, a little higher than the left block and got doubled. And he did an underhand scoop pass, just a bullet, almost like he was bowling directly across the lane, um, in front of Devin Booker, who was, who was guarding, uh, whichever player was cutting directly to Anthony Edwards, who went up into a shot motion and drained a right corner three, um, it was very similar to the same play against Washington 
Um, it was the other end of the court, but it was the left block to the right corner. And Akogi was the shooter. Similar. Um, this pass was even crazier, though. The angle was just insane. But that was his only assist in this game, which is nuts. He had double digit assists. Um, and, you know, just a few nights ago in Finch's coaching debut. So part of that was what the Suns were doing defensively. Part of it was the Wolves' inability to make shots because Towns was getting the ball out. Should, probably had a couple of hockey assists. Go back and watch that. I'm sure he did. But the Wolves only made eight threes in this game. So, I mean, that's part of the issue. And uh, the Suns were doing a good job of checking cutters. The Wolves didn't have enough cutters. And uh, Towns only had the one assist. Anthony Edwards led the team with 24 points, but it took him 22 shots to get there. Eight of 22 shooting, two of eight on three-point attempts, six of six at the free-throw line, encouraging that he's getting to the free-throw line more often, and he probably could have gone a couple more times. There was a dunk attempt he tried to throw him down over Devin Booker and was just completely hacked, but they called the ball out of bounds. And then later, Dario Saric grabbed his wrist and the ball went out of bounds, and they called it out on the Suns. The Suns actually reviewed it for out of bounds to see if it went off the Wolves. It did go off the Suns. The Wolves kept the ball, but it should have been free-throws for Edwards because Saric clearly grabbed... Edwards arm and not the ball. So there's at least two instances there where he should have gotten a couple more free throws. So part of the inefficiency wasn't entirely his fault because he was doing a good job going to the basket inside the arc. um, He was six of 14 in this game, two of eight outside the arc and an overall solid game. He did have three steals and five rebounds, which is great to see, but only one assist to four turnovers. There were at least three of those turnovers were instances where he was driving to the paint and tried to kick it out to the arc uh, to somebody on the perimeter and somebody just jumped the passing lane and you know just tough passes you can't drive on the left side of the court and kick it back to the right slot and expect there not to be somebody um, to jump in front and intercept the pass and that's that happened too often to Edwards in this game Um, but still I mean he was one of the Wolves best three players there's no question about it in this game And, and all of that's because of his strong first half My third stud is somebody who only played 13 minutes, and that's Nas Reed. Nine points on four of six shooting. He missed his only three-point attempt. He's been cold from three lately. One to two at the free throw line. He only had two rebounds. He had two assists and a block. Um, No turnovers. He committed five fouls in 13 minutes, which is partly why he only played 13 minutes. But also Towns was playing well, wasn't in foul trouble. And as I mentioned earlier, the Wolves didn't really play any, uh, any Nas and Cat minutes together in this one because of the Suns lineup choices. But Nas continues to look really comfortable um, pump faking on the perimeter and driving into the paint. Now, nobody's going to nobody's going to fall for those pump fakes if he if his three point shooting percentage dips below 30 and we're getting closer. Um, But he had a really nice assist where it looked like he was going to try and sling a dunk, but instead just kind of dished it to um, I think it was a Kogi. Or uh, no, it wasn't a Kogi, maybe Vanderbilt um, for a a, kind of an easy dunk or layup. And it, it was just a really creative, you know, point guard like play from Nas. And, and we know he has got a good handle. We know he's got um, impressive length and athleticism and, and pretty good passing touch as well. Um, so to see him put that all together and, and understand the, uh, you know, cutters and understand when to take it all the way to the basket himself. Um, the book is starting to come out on him though, I think, and it's going to keep getting more difficult at any rate. This was a good game for Nas. He deserved more minutes, but you know, matchup, and uh, the way Cat was playing and, you know, Cat wasn't in foul trouble in this game, really. And so that's why he only played 13 minutes. But he was good when he was on the court. Okay, duds for this game. Leading the way for me is Jalen Noel. Uh, I still am bullish on Noel. And I, I think he's going to be a good NBA player. I actually think he's going to be a good player for this team. But he was bad in this game. He shot just one of eight 
in 21 minutes. He's been given every opportunity by Chris Finch to kind of seize the reins. And he was great against Washington. He's been really good. Um, really since Finch took over, but six points on one of eight shooting three rebounds and assists, a steal, a turnover O of two outside the arc. He did make four free throws, which is why, uh, the six points, uh, he still scored six points despite shooting one of eight. He was aggressive. He always is aggressive. And at least he contributed the three rebounds because this was, you know, he's always a shoot first type player. And his shot was just off in this game. Both of his three point misses, he was wide open and just clanked the shot. Um, and now that he's getting his opportunity, that can't happen. I just talked about him on, on the weekend show on Sunday show, the, the post game wizards pod that I, I talked about how, I mean, this is his chance and he could be a bargain at under $2 million a year, the next two years. If he can just show that he could shoot at the NBA level, like he did in the G league last year, like he did it at Washington a couple of years ago in his Pac-12 player of the year season. Um, if he can just shoot 40% from three, that solves a lot of these issues. He's really good around the free throw line, you know, elbow jumpers, pulling up from mid-range. He, he has a good floater game, all those things. He's like, he's a, you know, I think his best case is a little, it's similar to Malik Beasley. Um, and I'm not saying he'll get there. I, I don't think he will. It's probably unlikely, but he's that type of a player that type of a shoot for a streaky shooter, pretty quick release, um, you know, good around the mid range. He's got a little bit of a better floater than Beasley. I mean, that's what he should be. And that's what he could be in this offense. And, and I truly believe that he's a good player in era that he will be a good player um, and has deserved this opportunity. I, I think he, he should have been in the game and should have played 21 minutes, but this was not a good game for him. And we'll see how much more leash Finch has for him. Uh, next time out against Charlotte and then also after the all-star break. But with Beasley out, I mean, this is your, this is where you go for offense, unless you're going to play McLaughlin or Rubio together, or unless all of a sudden Jarrett Culver or Josh Okogie can shoot, where else are you going to get wing production? I mean, Jade McDaniels, I already advocated for him playing the three. Somebody has got to play the two. And if Anthony Edwards isn't in the game, Jalen Noel is your best option. So whether it's at the two you know, in Edwards spot, if Edwards is off the floor, if it's alongside Edwards and McDaniels is off the floor or playing the four, I mean, Noel's going to get minutes and he's just got to perform better than he did in this one. Another dud for me in this one's Jarrett Culver. This is his second game back after missing a month with an ankle injury. O of three shooting two rebounds and assist and a steal minus six plus minus in nine minutes. O of three shooting O of two outside the arc continues to just look kind of lost. Uh, you know, it's, it's too bad. He's so talented. He's, he's athletic. He was so good offensively in college at Texas Tech, but he continues to just look like he he doesn't have any confidence in his game and his shot selection is even questionable where he's tentative when he should be shooting and then he's over aggressive when he should pass the ball and um, he's just out of sorts um, and, and hopefully that gets fixed, but he's one of the duds in this game. And then also Josh Akogi, after a strong game against Washington, he was 0-5 shooting in this one, 0-2 outside the arc, two points, three rebounds, a turnover, Minus 12 and 18 minutes did not do a good job on Devin Booker. Although Booker Booker started a little bit slow and, and part of that was due to a Kogi, but similar to how Beal eventually took over and, and dominated a Kogi at Washington on Saturday. Uh, you know, that's what happened with, with Booker in this one. All of a sudden he just got hot and that was it. And a Kogi just, he's, he's considered the best wing defender on the team and back-to-back games, they've had a tough matchup, but he has not been able to slow down the opposing offensive player. All things considered, this was a really disappointing effort from the Timberwolves. Yes, they hung around. Yes, they were involved. They were close-ish until late in the third quarter. 
but it never really felt like I said at the top, it never really felt like this game was all that close. Um, and, and Chris Finch has his hands full clearly. Um, next up is the Hornets that's on Wednesday. So two more off days and then Wednesday we'll preview the Charlotte game. We'll of course have a show Tuesday. Um, so be sure to tune into that Wednesday. We will preview the Charlotte game Thursday. We'll have the post game pod Friday. We'll look ahead to all-star weekend, which is on Sunday. So I guess all-star Sunday, we'll call it. Um, and then the Wolves don't play again until next Thursday, the 11th. So there's a there's an eight-day break in there between the home game against Charlotte and the road game at New Orleans next Thursday, the 11th. So um, a lot to talk about this week. We'll start getting into some more trade talk as we're now only about three and a half weeks away from the deadline. Um, so all that's upcoming on Locked on Wolves. Make sure that you're subscribed to Locked on Wolves. Of course, you can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, you can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves. Locked on T-Wolves, don't forget the T, and at B-Beacon, it's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that this is a Monday through Friday daily show, so we will be with you throughout the week and also throughout next week as we ramp up for the second half of the season. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Of course, Locked on Wolves is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Otherwise, have a fantastic start to your week. We'll be back on Tuesday. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.